Welcome to Season 2 of the Regular Pastor Podcast. My name is Landon Coleman. I am the preaching pastor at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Odessa, Texas. Today I am joined in my office by the one and only Phil Skelton, founding pastor of Living Word Baptist Church, which happens to be the second best church in Odessa, <laughs> Texas. Phil, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hey, tell us a little bit about uh, who you are and tell us a little bit about our church. Both of my listeners are dying to know all about you, so introduce yourself. Well, I'm uh, I'm originally from England. That's why I talk funny, so I don't have any uh, mental incapacities that people think. I'm not deaf. I'm not strange. Just people, have an accent. There are some people from England that have mental yeah, there are disabilities, but, but I'm not one of them. At least for, not right now. Um, at the age of almost 18, I moved over to America with my parents. My dad started a church, or uh, was called to a church in Pennsylvania, and so as, at the age of almost 18, I came with them. Ended up the next year going to Liberty University and getting my degree in biblical studies, and then I met my wife, and she was from the beautiful town of Odessa. So, awesome. I ended up in Odessa. Um, we got married. After a year of my master's, and then uh, I came to Odessa, and then was in search of a green card. Um, that took a while, and then so I went to the, uh, I was working at the country club, went to Best Buy, and then I ended up working at another church, and then in August the 22nd, 2010, we began Living Word. So in between that, uh, 12 days before, or nine days before we started Living Word, we had our first child, our only child, Landry. So she's almost eight, eight now. and uh, So we've been doing that. We started a church, and we were at the Elegante Hotel. Uh, we were there for seven years, and we moved in Christmas Eve this year, or last year, uh, to our new building on Twin Towers Boulevard across from the post office. And so we've just been doing that, trying to build the church and uh, minister to them and had a really great time with the people. Um, and so that's really where we're at the moment um, Going into in August twenty second, a few weeks will be eight, so it'll be cool. almost eight years. That's good. Exciting stuff happening at Living Word. Yeah, uh, your new facility is awesome, and uh, I'm I'm sure you guys have memories at the Elegante. But yeah, for sure. Good to to move into your own space and neat how God provided that. I think like most uh, pastor guys that I know, you married way over your head, <laughs> and lucky for Landry. She looks like, like your a wife, mother, yeah. and so she came out on the good side of the gene pool, so that's good stuff. One of the cool memories we had at the Elegante is baptism, and we did it in the pool, so that's or neat. a hot tub, and we had many people looking from windows, or there were people swimming, yeah. and they would jump up and see what we were doing, so that was a neat... Um, that's awesome. I miss that about the Elegante. Yeah, maybe now the baptisms are in-house, and no one outside gets to see it, but there you go. to baptize people, and we had people pray with us at the end, and wonder what we were doing so that was a cool that's cool yeah i like it um i thought about asking you to come in and use your best american accent and i would use my best british <laughs> let's not accent. do that i was af- i was afraid to do it because i think my british accent is better than yours and i didn't want to embarrass <laughs> you so we're not going to do that i don't that. have an american one i tell you that <laughs> Um, if you're listening in the uh, odessa area you may recognize phil's voice he's on the radio uh, gives devotions on the radio. A lot of people know him from that. And I think you guys put your uh, preaching. Uh, yeah, on the, on on the, the rock station too. on 102.1. Yeah. So there you go. You go right from Phil Skelton to ACDC. It's yeah. A, it's a yeah. nice, smooth transition. Yeah. yeah. Um, before we jump in, one serious question. 
Have you recovered from the England choke job in the World <laughs> Cup? Are you over no, that? No, it'll you take still me another grieving? four years. Yeah, take me four years, and then we'll go to begin the whole process again. But and yeah. four years, where's it at? Qatar. Uh, are we going? No. No? Not to Qatar. What? And then four more years It's where? in America, so maybe that would be the best ah, option. There you go. I like so, it. Yeah. So well, maybe before I die, I'll see that, but I'm not holding my breath. There you go. You actually had me cheering for him and... <laughs> moderately interested in soccer for about two weeks yeah and yeah. then now it's over england choked and i don't care yeah. anymore so phil and i uh have known each other for i don't know a year or so and uh spent time together visiting about different things and one of the things we've talked about um as you and i have had lunch and had coffee is the issue of canned evangelism canned personal evangelism and why we're not exactly comfortable with that approach to sharing the gospel. Um, And so that's what I want to talk about today. I like your thoughts on it, and I thought um, folks that listen would benefit from some of the things that I know are important to you and you're passionate about. Let's just start off with defining it. When I sent you a text and said, hey, let's record a podcast and let's let's talk about canned evangelism, what popped into your mind? What does that mean to you? Well, when you say that to me, what I think of is just a, a structured, certain, only one way of of presenting the gospel, of of talking about your faith, of of leading people to Jesus, so that you have it. What I think of is those people that have jobs at a desk that are selling something, like telemarketers types. Mm. And they basically give you a script in front of you, uh, a script that would... Uh, basically stop the customer from saying no one backing out of the deal so (laughs) they have a you know if he says this say this if he says this say that if he says that say that so you have a kind of script in front of you the problem with that is (laughs) what happens when you go off script right yeah and so canned evangelism to me is telling people hey go tell them this do that and and frankly you know if that was just the only way to do it a way that worked we'd all do it we'd have read the book and everyone would be doing it so yeah um, canned evangelism is that to me just a certain one way to do it one kind of uh, idea of doing it one set way of doing it and you're trying to push yeah. push that way and that's the only way you know how to do it and, and uh, are comfortable with doing it rather than your own personal experience and, and I think it takes away from your um, own personal makeup and, and attributes uh. and personality and so yeah. to me that's what canned evangelism is just like one set way of Hey, here's Jesus here, and and let me say this to you, or let me do this. Now I've got to do this to you. And, yeah. And to be honest, I had a disaster when I was at my old church. I had a young guy come into me to my office, and and the SBTC had done this. I forget the exact name of it, but it was like the cross app or one cross or something like that, where it was a card and it had the picture of the bridge, and you know, yeah, man yeah, was yeah. separated, and it showed you how to do it. And yeah. I tried it, and it was disastrous. You uh, tried to use it. Yeah, I did. And step you just by didn't step, feel comfortable with it, or what? Yeah, I mean, maybe if I'd done it fifty times, I would have felt more comfortable with it. But this, yeah. I mean, instead of just being me and talking to the kid and telling him about Jesus and what he's done in my life and all that stuff, I, I was trying to. I mean, it was one of those things where you had to draw pictures, and, yeah, and yeah. I, it was for me, it was awful. And, and that guy. I feel bad about that. I'm, I'm embarrassed, actually, to think that I was a pastor doing that because I, I thought this would be easy and I thought I would try it and, and draw pictures and draw the bridge and you ask him questions. and 
he didn't even answer the questions really. So I'm answering his questions, and then uh, it was just a yeah. nightmare. Well, and so that put me off too. Yeah, I, those those are great thoughts. And when I wrote down, I just tried to get as as short of a definition as I could in my own mind about what is canned evangelism. And what I wrote down is it's a memorized script. And you talked about that, sort of like the telemarketer script. It's just something yeah. that is presented to you. It's not your own thoughts or convictions or gleanings from Scripture, but it's it's something written for you, and you internalize it, um, and then you just sort of vomit it back up to somebody and hope that they say all the right things as you go through the, the steps. And you mentioned the bridge illustration. Um, any others that come to mind that you're familiar with when you, if you were going to be specific and say like, this is a canned approach to evangelism, anything else that you've come across? Well, I'm across? not really that familiar with them because I don't really, you know, <laughs> stay away really from enjoy. them. Well, I know that, and, and to be fair, it's not all bad because I know there's things like the faith program and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, so that's an example. I know people in our church who have had that and have enjoyed that and have gone out doing that and and have gone through the you know the F A I T H mm-hmm. thing and 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 they've really enjoyed that and you know what if that's your thing if that's your makeup if that's what you're comfortable with I'm not you know I'm not opposed to that I'm yeah. just opposed to the idea that everybody should do that as yeah. in here's the faith thing everybody do it everybody should be good at it let's just do it and again if that worked we'd all be doing it you know it's interesting you mentioned faith I didn't have that on my list. Of examples, but at the previous church I pastored, um, they had gone through the faith program. And when I first got there, it was almost kind of like a litmus test of are you an evangelist or not? Do you know the faith program or not? And I've never been through it, and I wasn't particularly interested in learning it or memorizing it or continuing to train people in it. And so there was a little bit of rub with some folks like, you don't want to do faith, you don't want to share the gospel. And uh, in their minds, that had become the one means of personal evangelism. So other examples uh, that I jotted down could be like the Roman road, walking someone through a a particular set of verses in the book of Romans. Uh, Older one would be four spiritual laws, uh, share Jesus without fear. I actually, as a very young pastor, uh, led that training in my church. And uh, maybe we'll we'll get to here in a minute about some of the positives, but um, did that in in the church I pastored in Kentucky. EE, uh, the bridge illustration you mentioned, one that we use here cautiously is the three circles. Uh, Jimmy Scroggins uh, has come up with that, and I think it's a helpful tool. I think there's some dangers in making that the only way that you approach evangelism. Let's talk about positives before we just get on negative and uh, whine like a couple of British guys at a bar <laughs> commiserating about all their problems. What are the positives in using a canned evangelism approach or teaching people that in your church? Anything that you would think of that you would say, okay, here's a positive? Yeah, I think the the problem is if you took a percentage of people that uh, present their faith it's not very big. Mm. Of just church-going yeah. believers. Of, yeah, if you took your membership role and said, do you often find yourself in, in kind of gospel-centered conversations or deliberate actions that are primarily to introduce Jesus to someone or to help them grow or whatever, um, it's very low. And so a lot of them are scared. A lot of them don't know what to say. A, a, a lot of them. One thing we're going to start at Living Word, for example, is when someone gets saved, traditionally I have because I'm out front and trying to pray with people and kind of 
direct traffic, for lack of a better. Um, I have deacons, I have ladies who will go and pray with people and speak to them and make sure they understand what they're doing. Mm. And so now we're going to... talking about like during a response time? At yeah, the at the, the altar call. Okay. When I give an altar call, if someone comes out traditionally, and some will wait to talk to me afterwards, in which case I'll speak to them and pray with them. And right. If they come to the altar and say, I need Jesus, I've got deacons, I've got ladies for ladies that will come. And so now we're going to put people in there to, uh, to just watch them mm. so that they know how to do that. Many people don't ever see that because mm. we, it's either in the back or in another room. And, and just to get some other people more comfortable, because quite frankly, if eight or nine people got saved in one day, if you not want, if you wanted one on one, would be yeah, you'd kind of struggle to be yeah, yeah. you know who. And so who, you got to you got to equip those people. You got to yeah, train so, them and prepare them to do that, rather than just yeah. stand them at the front. Yeah, and say here, lead yeah, them yeah. to. So the 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 idea that you have faith or something, or that you have a program, it gives them a bit of a backbone. It gives them more uh, confidence. It, it it allows them to at least have some questions to ask or, or have some idea of what to answer. It gives them scripture verses. They don't have to, mm. you know, your traditional congregant isn't going to want to sit down and study and yeah, bring yeah. up 20. So to have verses, to have, you know, four ideas, or to, it, 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 it's a tool in the hand that makes them, Yeah. right? So yeah. I think that's a big positive. I think any time you can get, your church members memorizing scripture, that's a positive. And that's one thing mm-hmm. you could say for a lot of these CAN programs is that they encourage people, hey, you need to memorize these verses. Maybe at times they sort of pull some of those verses out of context. Yeah. Maybe at times they uh, are very selective in how they present uh, the demands of discipleship or different things. But look, getting your people to memorize scripture is good. Yeah. And if that's built into the program, sharing God's Word, you and I both agree faith comes from hearing and hearing the Word, the Word of Christ. And so that's positive. If yep. people learn Scripture and they're ready to share that verbally with someone else, that's definitely a positive. And I don't even mind the notion of having like six, seven, eight, nine different approaches and letting people go to no. the one they're most comfortable sure. with. I What I don't like is thinking... Whether it be faith or whether it be whatever, this is the only way you can do it. This is the way we must make everybody do it. I think yeah. that takes away from from a lot of your gifting, from a lot of your personality, yeah. from from a lot of your experience. You yeah. know, and I would say anything that doesn't draw on your experience is limiting. Uh, you, you know, your your power in in presenting the gospel because most of it in in first john when he speaks about that which you've we've seen and heard and touched now we declare to you so that you can have joy i think that's a massive part of evangelism is telling people look this is a change that's been made to me this is what jesus means to me this is what's happened in my life yeah because they can argue with different things but what people really can't argue with you is your personal experience right? yeah most and I like people that. and and one thing we've tried to do here is uh, encourage people. You do need to tell others in your evangelism what God has done in your life. I think a lot of people need some coaching in that because if you just say, tell them your testimony, my experience has been young people, adults, college kids, whoever, they tend to ramble. They tend to just tell you know stories yeah. where someone gets lost in the history of their life and they're not interested in that. So I really think you got to be succinct and to the point, but I agree with you. Like First John, hey, this is what this has been our experience, and we're sharing it with you so that you can share in this joy. Yeah. Um, I, 
I think it's it's good. A canned evangelism approach is good if it helps people be more intentional about evangelism. So you mentioned earlier most most church-going folks aren't really thinking about sharing their faith. They're no. not looking for opportunities. And I agree with that 100%. And I would say a positive is give someone a method, give them a program, give them a quote-unquote script. At least maybe they'll begin to think about, hey, this is something I need to tell others about. I, that's a positive to me. Um, and I, as we're as we're trying to be positive and encouraging here... Um, I do think it's better than some of the alternatives. It's better than not doing anything. Yeah, yeah. And it's better than we recently had an experience where we had done some mission work and one of the church leaders said uh, at the end of the week, well, we don't really do a lot of personal follow-up. We just give them a tract and that's going to lead them to Jesus. So, okay, yeah, that's, that's okay. But I think it would be better if you could just sit with someone and talk about the gospel rather than hand them a piece of paper that's so short and brief and limited, and there's no interaction with the track. You can't ask questions. You can't ask for clarification. It's just you and, you know, 20 sentences and hope it clicks at the end of it. Well, see, and that's my biggest beef with this whole approach is that... Okay, so I read a a thing on, on Twitter the other day that said, uh, basically, evangelism, good evangelism has to lead to discipleship, mm. and good discipleship has to lead to evangelism, yeah. right? So you, you, they come together. My fear of the canned approach is that you walk up to a door, you tell somebody about Jesus, and then you leave never to see them again. Yeah. Now, if they're in your own town, that's, you know, that's a bad deal to me, if they're, because that just says, look, I, ju- I just wanted to get that off my chest. I don't really, you know... I'm not really interested in you because I've left you, you know? Yeah. And I think it's deeper. I think what we take for evangelism maybe isn't the Great Commission like we think it is because when you read Matthew 28, it says, go and disciple all nations, but it says, teaching them to observe all that I've taught you. There's that no takes a way. While. Yeah, you can't do that in a two minute conversation. Yeah. In a, now, you can invite them to church, um, but there's not a whole lot you can, there's not a whole lot of deep stuff going on. A five-minute conversation. There's yeah. no way I can even begin. I feel like you I preach for Greek. 50 minutes on a Sunday morning, yeah. and people still don't get it. Yeah. People still don't understand. Yeah. So how I I can't. I feel much more comfortable doing that. And I think that the the attractiveness of this canned approach is that I don't have to spend a whole lot of time with people. Yeah, I I think people need to understand pastors. Like this is an issue for a lot of pastors. Deacons, church leaders, elders, Sunday school teachers, believers, whoever. Just because you shared the gospel once in a formulaic, scripted way does not mean you get to check the Great Commission off as done. The the commission, the mission is make disciples, teaching them to obey all these things. That's a lifetime mission. That really doesn't ever end. And so to pretend like, well, we've done it because we went and we knocked on doors or we had these, you know, phone calls or we whatever. That's a limiting of what Jesus is talking about in the Great Commission. And I think that's just moving into the negatives. That's one of the biggest negatives to me in canned evangelism is that it's all centered around let's present the least amount of material that they need to know to get quote-unquote saved, and then we're done. That's... When I was at a that's, conference that's and they the were mindset. pushing this one minute thing, so go to the door, it takes a minute, and that's it. Oh wow! So I mean, yeah. one minute to share the gospel. Yeah, one minute in yeah. a faithful way. Yeah, 
Yeah. You know, one minute and then you're done kind of. And, and, and it's one of those we hit on the, you know, 300 doors in a day and we think we've done our part. Well, yeah. To, the worst part is you're leaving them for dead, you know. So even if, if they come to, you know, now sometimes that might, like if you're on a plane somewhere and, and you get to talking to someone, you're not going to have as much chance sure. to follow up. Sure. But in your own town. Still share. Yeah, you can yeah, still share. Ahead, but but to me, if you walk up to someone and say, hey, you want Jesus? Yes, sir. And then you leave them. You're leaving them, to, you know, to pick their own church. Yeah, I mean, you, they're a babe. They need the milk. They need someone yeah. to help. And what I've tried to do now is is, is uh, we're going to start implementing a new new way of doing it, a, a living word, for so that we're going to concentrate on discipling one person that's saved. So pouring our life into them, being a Paul to kind of a Timothy, you know, mm-hmm. and, and praying with them, encourage them, and then finding one person that you're going to pour your life into for a year. So yeah. a lost person. Yeah. So you have two people you're really working on. Yeah. And and um, not just to, you know, to speak one time, but especially to the lost person. So you take a year, and there's no set formula. There's no set rules. There was no, like, you have to meet Monday at 7 o'clock. There's got to be interaction every week, however that Right, and out of that is going to come opportunities to talk a lot, um, to live out your life. Yeah. You're going to have bad days where they watch you. They're going to have bad days where you can pour into them. You can be there for their birthdays or anniversaries, for any kind of tragedy that comes away, for any hard day, and you really pour your life into them. And, and I've done that, and I've seen the fruits of that as people get saved from that. It's 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 difficult, and it's very time consuming, and it's costly in time, in money, in yeah, yeah. in emotion, in and so people might not want to do it but uh and it's hard because if you're around someone a lot they see your flaws right they see your but that to me is the way that i if i had a a set way of doing it that would be my way of of here look pour yourself into someone that's in church that's weaker that's yeah right and take someone that you know is lost and live your life out in front of them. And what you're describing to me is evangelism. To a lot of people, that's discipleship. And people try to separate those things. But I like your comment earlier that evangelism must, if it's going to be evangelism, it has to lead to discipleship. Yeah. And discipleship, if it really is discipleship, has to lead to evangelism. And any idea that you can separate them and take one without the other is a major negative that I think is missing in most, not all, but most canned approaches. And I like the the perspective of Robert Coleman, who wrote a book called The Master Plan of Evangelism. And the book, if you read it, if you read the book without looking at the title, you would walk away, you'd put it down, and you'd say, that's a book about how to make disciples. Mm. And he intentionally called it, no, this is the evangelistic plan. The plan is make disciples. The plan is not lead someone to a decision and then move on, but it's more the investment. And um, I think in the social media about. world we live in what winds me up is people that are constantly telling everyone who they spoke to hmm. and, you know, becomes a boastful thing. Yeah, I, I thing really sometimes. think so. Yeah, like oh, I spoke to my cab driver and they exp- accepted Jesus. Oh, I hope they did. But now what you're going to do with them? See, like at least you got to be trying to plug him get him to a church in their area or do something like it's not that can't just be hey i did my part yeah Yeah, you're you're not not done done. and i think that's what and and i look in scripture in acts when the gospel was being spread with paul and stuff i i may be wrong but i i don't see paul just stopping and having just you know it doesn't say hey paul just picked a guy had a conversation with him and he got saved 
He was going in the synagogues. He was preaching. And that's my approach. It's under the word of God, yeah. If my primary approach is to get people in church, because I believe, and I've seen it so many times, if they get under the word and they, even a week, two weeks, three weeks, God starts to really speak to them, yeah, and and really answer some questions. Yeah, your evangelism has to be to bear lasting fruit. It has to be connected to preaching, Bible preaching, and Bible teaching. And you think about Paul, like when he left the elders at Ephesus, he said, I, there was nothing I held back from you. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't try to boil it down to one minute on your doorstep, enough nope. to get you through heaven, through yeah. the gates of heaven. I didn't hold anything back, and that took a long time. And yeah. in Corinth, he's meeting daily. And when he gets kicked out of one building, he moves next door to the next building, Absolutely. and he says, "I'm going to do it day after day after day after day." And there was times he had to run, and there was places he didn't get to stay long. But his plan seemed to be, like you just mentioned. I'm going to give these people as much gospel, as much Bible as possible, and let the Spirit use that, rather than sort of saying, how can I distill this down yeah. to a one, two, three-minute presentation that anyone can just roll through and read through? Well, see, in that passage you just mentioned in, in Acts, that's one of my favorite passages when he meets the Ephesian elders. He says, you're never going to see me again. But he tells them, I spent, I think it's three years yeah. uh, with you dying night and day, but he says to them, look, basically the blood's not on my hand. Yeah. I, I have told you, I have shown you everything about Jesus. If you don't get it now, I held nothing back. Yeah. My life was worth nothing to me lest I preach to you Christ and him crucified. And that's the thing. I, I think there just needs to be more of a step. Like I don't think telling someone, hey, do you want Jesus? You can then say, hey, man, I did everything I could, as in like there's no blood on my hands. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, It absolutely. might be a decent start, but that's what it is. It's a start. It's not a... Yeah. Here's, here's the verse from Acts 20. Uh, Paul says, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, yeah. for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Yeah. That's, not a, that's not canned. No. You can't can that and, no. and give it to somebody. So... Um, Another negative, uh, we kind of we kind of went long there, but I think another negative is most of the time a canned approach feels very phony. Yeah, if and that's you, what happened with me and that kid. Yeah, and if you've had someone come knock on your door from this church or that church and they've gone through their spiel, you just know, like, you might as well be selling me a vacuum mm-hmm. because this is just rehearsed. This isn't – it's not you. Now, I would say when – for example, William Fay, Bill Fay, uses "share Jesus without fear." It probably feels very genuine because that's him. Yeah. That's his yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah. But Absolutely. when Phil Skelton uses yeah. it, Phil ends up saying, oh, "That's not really how I would say it. It's not really, you know, how I would I would present it to somebody." And it just doesn't. People can spot that. I just think people can tell. I think when you're just running through a script. Absolutely. And I think we send our people out as cannon fodder sometimes. Mm. Because if they start asking questions that they haven't been prepared for, yeah, they're going to feel frightened, inadequate, and now it puts them off even more. Totally so, discouraged. Yeah. So if someone asks them a question, what about this or what about that, and they're just standing there with a the deer in the headlight, kind of look, they don't. There's no way to prepare that. I guess that's yeah. what I'm trying to say. There is no way I can sit down with someone and say, "This cover all your bases." Yeah. No one will yeah. be scared. I mean, no one can ask you now something that I haven't prepared you for. There's just no way of doing that. Why do you think, here's a different question, 
Why do you think these canned approaches have been so popular through the years? And some may say they're not popular. I would say they have been popular because they sell books and videos and people go to conferences and we look at these people as evangelism experts and all this sort of stuff. Why do you think there's so much appeal towards, even if people don't ever use their canned approach uh, or they don't use it effectively, why is that appealing to people? I think some people have that personality, right? Some people love the the salesman type. Some mm. I know people that are really like they're in it for the game of it. Almost. No, th- no, they're in it for. I mean, they really genuine. I know people who are genuinely love doing that stuff. They love knocking mm. on doors. They so that appeals to them. Okay. Right? Obviously, that helps them. I also think that this it becomes popular. I think we make a mistake when, and I've heard of churches going to other places to see what they're doing so they can replicate it. Right? Uh. So I think that if someone uses it, so I go to conferences and they're pushing this one approach because it's what the guy's used and he's seen fruit from it. So and he's his excited. Church, yeah. His program. In a different his city, people, in a different his yeah. context. And so we foolishly, I think, sometimes look at him and say, oh, look, that worked. Now let's bring it back to Odessa. Just that, rubber let's stamp just, it. Yeah. And again, if that was the case, let's just find the biggest one and let's just all replicate it and we're all, and that can't be the way it is. We know that. And so I think that's part of the excitement is. They see the fruit of someone. They see with a good heart they want more people in their church. They want more people to be saved. And they think, well, he got 500. Let's, And they forget, you know, if you're in a big metropolis, if you're in a big city, you, of course you're going to reach more than you are in Odessa probably. But yeah. they don't think of any of that. They just think he did it. Let's yeah. do it. And, it's, and to go back to Acts, when Paul preaches in Athens, it sounds different than Corinth and it sounds different than Ephesus and it sounds different in all these different places. Because he's not taking a rubber stamp approach to the gospel, he's not taking a formulaic, memorized, here's my one, uh, my one good speech type approach to gospel ministry, but he's looking at the people there and saying, okay, how can I communicate it to these people? What do they need to hear? What are their objections? What are their idols? What are their hang-ups? Yep. What are their sins? Yep. What's their language? And, and all that's factored in. I, I think they're popular on one level— and you, I think what you just said touched on this. I think they're popular because they produce some kind of result yeah. that's, I guess, measurable. Yeah. And it's yeah. it's quick and easy. Yeah. And I think about the the recent uh, SBC convention in Dallas, and every time the SBC meets, uh, I'm a proud SBC pastor. Uh, don't go to conventions, but every time they meet. They go out and they share the gospel. Yeah. They do it door to door in the community. Yeah. I think that's great. I think it's a good thing to do. The problem is they come back and they are then able to say, hey, 2,000, 4,000, yeah. however many thousand people got saved. That's great. I'm all for that. Yeah. yeah. The question is, is anyone going to follow up? Yeah. Are we connecting big... those people to churches? Yeah. And in the five minutes I spent on their doorstep, did I actually share with them the truth about who God is and the truth about sin and yeah. the person and the work of Jesus and what does it mean to repent and what does it mean to believe? What does it mean to be part of the body of Christ? I'm not sure you can do that in two to three minutes. No, I'm not either. So what do you think if somebody said, okay, uh, you don't like these canned approaches? Uh, I know we've talked about it all the way through through our conversation, but if someone said you don't like canned approaches— what do you want to do instead? What is your suggestion? What things come to your mind? 
I want everybody to to be uh, an evangelist and a discipler, right? But I think it's you're made. <laughs> there's only one of you, yeah. So there's only one one person like you in the whole entire world with your attitude, with your gift set, with your attributes. And so all, all I would say is find your thing. Yeah. Yeah? And don't worry about what anyone else is doing. Find a way where you can share your faith. That you're comfortable that with. That you're comfortable with. That that includes discipleship, that includes follow-up. And, and, and do that. And, and, you know, I know my gifts, I know my tendencies, I know, you know, what I'm comfortable with. That that one I did, that, that canned approach I tried, it was awful because it wasn't me. It wasn't, yeah. you know, uh, it wasn't in my skill set at all. Yeah. Um, and so I think, I, I, I just think, you know, uh, we we need to look at everyone as individual. And look, <laughs> if you're truly trying to win people and disciple them, the Lord will bless that. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think, again, there's just not one set way. If there was, we'd all be doing it. Like, yeah. No, I like, I like those thoughts because I think God doesn't make all of us the same. No. People are different. And it's super clear from the New Testament, he doesn't gift everyone the same. In your approach to evangelism, if you present it as the way, yeah. it may not be very helpful for someone who's not gifted like you are. And if, and if you, if you present this approach to evangelism as the only faithful, good, right way to do it, that may just cut a whole bunch of people out who say, yeah. man, I just, I don't mind talking about my faith, but that doesn't feel like me. Yeah. So I, I like that. Um, what else? What would you suggest instead of uh, a canned approach? Any other things come to mind? Well, what I said earlier, it, to me, the biggest problem we have is time. That's mm. what people really don't want to give. Mm. I mean, in my experience, if I asked the, no, a regular church person, give me a hundred bucks or ten hours, they're going to give me cash almost every time. Right? And that's the culture we fight in. I think is given a lot of time. Yeah, we're very, especially in America, it appears to me like time is very short. Like it's very work driven. It's very right, and and then you've got family and stuff. So time is, you know, is a high-priced commodity. And you're saying to do it right, to do evangelism oh, yeah. and discipleship yeah. right, it's going to take time. Yeah. So you're going to have to do less, you're going to have to do more investment in less people to yeah. do it faithfully. I believe that. Yeah. yeah. And and here's what I would here's what I think and maybe I'm right, maybe I'm not. So sometimes we just kind of jump onto someone in the middle of the street, yeah, mm. because we've been told that or whatever. And we don't know them from Adam, we just kind of meet them 2 minutes and then so oh, I see you later, yeah. I believe, especially in Odessa, right, that when I walk into, like, so my cashier at Walmart, and again, sometimes you're led by the Spirit and, sure. and you do that, and sometimes sure. you invite them to church. Sometimes the Lord opens up a clear path for you to talk, right? <laughs> uh, especially for me, oh, you're the guy on the radio. I mean, that ah. gives me an open road, right? But um, when, whenever you walk in there, there is so many believers in town that I bet you somebody knows them, mm. right? So instead of, so maybe you know the person at Walmart, I don't, right? So instead of me walking in and saying, if you would reach out to the, your circle and I reach out yeah. to my circle, yeah. you basically, I mean, I really think you could, if you took every Christian and said, look, invest in one or two people, you know how many people would reach in Odessa? Yeah. And it's a time thing. It's an, it's, man, it's a... So kind of what you're saying is, you have to approach evangelism less as 
it's your job to tell everyone, and more as it's our job to make sure that everyone is telling someone about Jesus. What do you Mobilizing think? Mobilizing more of us yeah. to share with the people we naturally have connections to, relationships with, history with, all that sort what of What do you think would happen, Emmanuel, if every member said, right, for one year, I'm taking two people that we're yeah. trying to get a living word. I'm going to take a weaker Christian and pray with them yeah. and, and, and uh, talk to them and meet with them. And again, there's got to be contact every week, right? So whether that's a phone call, whether that's hanging out, whether yeah, a that's... a real relationship. Yeah, it's, it's, again, it's not, it's not like, hey, every Friday at five, because that's just not realistic. Life yeah. happens and things. But what would happen if, if everyone discipled someone and everyone got a lost person... And, and and poured their life, so made them dinner when they, you know, and visited them in hospital. Just got to know them, and 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 you know, knew when they were struggling at work, knew when they lost the job, um, knew when the kids were having problems. I mean, what would you think would be the net result of that? Yeah, yeah. There'd be it, many people, and if if everyone reaches one, <laughs> and you you grow in the believers too. I think that's the way, and I think that's why canned evangelism is popular. Because you don't have to spend the time. There's no long-term no. investment. You speak to yeah. someone in a cab and leave, and that's yeah. it. And you're done. And yeah. you feel like you've accomplished yeah. evangelism. It's yeah. done. Yeah. I like that. Things that I, I would suggest and things we've talked about are um, maybe just mindset approaches. One would be most canned approaches seem to have the mindset of, what is the least amount I need to share with them for them to get quote unquote saved? Yeah. Rather than that mindset, what if we said, I want to teach them everything Jesus commanded? I want to I want them to know the whole counsel of God. I think that would change the way that we do it. I think another mindset change would be the willingness to listen. Um, most of the canned evangelism approaches I'm familiar with. Most of what you learn is what you need to say. Yeah. There may be some questions in there, but you're almost really not even listening for the answer. Mm-hmm. It's just a you only ask a step question so you can have yeah. something else to say. And I think instead of that, it would be a great thing to teach our people how to listen, like how to sit down with somebody like you're, you're, you're sort of describing and just ask them questions and shut your mouth and listen to what they say. Because if you do that, in a real relationship, you're going to learn, oh, they don't think about God the same way I do. I can't jump to a sinner's prayer if we don't even have agreement yep. on who God is. Yep. Or they don't understand sin the way the Bible describes yep. it. We can't jump to to baptism until we have a conversation about sin and understanding that. Yep. They have a, a heretical view of who Jesus is. Yep. And I've got to correct that before I say, do you want to invite Jesus into your heart? Because I maybe haven't even talked about which one. You don't know any of those things if you don't listen to somebody and you don't give them the the dignity. Again, we're talking time, right? Absolutely. To sit and Absolutely. to listen to somebody yeah. else. And they'll open up. And that's when you make inroads like, yeah. hey, a stranger on the street isn't going to tell you that their marriage stinks. That's right. And they're hooked on drugs. But you start hanging out with someone and when they feel that you love them and that you care, they'll open up. And man, when they say stuff like, how do I help my marriage? Yeah, yeah. That's a definite inroad to... Hey man, it's Jesus. That's the only answer. How Absolutely. do I how do I get off my addiction? It's Jesus. I mean, he's the answer to everything, right? But then now, I've found at least when they ask the questions and yeah. they open the door, yeah, that's like the Lord cracking it wide open. And yeah. when they've come to ask me 
I feel like I'm really at liberty and free to say right. what I need to say rather than me approaching them. When they ask me, it's I describe it as buying a car, right? If 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 someone comes to me, if I'm trying to sell my car, the best thing is when someone comes to me and starts asking me questions about my car and hey, uh, I want to, right? I know I've already got them. Yeah. And so when they start asking questions, well, who is Jesus? Well, then yeah. then I know they're getting that interest and the yeah. spirit's working on them. And that's good. Yeah. I think I think it's important. One thing I've shared, we've done some, we do evangelism training here regularly. Every time we send a mission team out. Uh, we do evangelism training with them, how to share your faith, how to share your testimony. Yeah. Uh, we've done it on a Wednesday night discipleship sort of Bible study for adults uh, in youth setting, how to share your faith, how to communicate the gospel. Um, I think the the one idea that has shaped my approach to all this more than anything else came from a book called Questioning Evangelism by a guy named Randy Newman, not the short people song Randy Newman, but (laughs) different Randy Newman. And in the book, he says, this is my paraphrase, rather than giving someone a script to memorize, what if they understood the gospel front ways and back ways, like they really got it, and they were wise, and they could just have conversation, and they could work the gospel into conversation, and they could talk about it freely on the fly as something that had changed them, something they were passionate about, mm-hmm. not a script that they're just, you know, throwing up on somebody. And I think that's so good. And that's what we try to do is to say, rather than give you a program, I want to make sure you you understand what is the gospel message. Yep. Who is God and what is sin? And who is Jesus and what in the world did he do for you? And now what is my response to that? And if you can put all those pieces together, it really doesn't matter what someone's background is or what their objections are or their questions. You can have a conversation with somebody and it can be a gospel conversation. And it it's not going to have the end goal of, hey, now make a decision, pray a prayer, and we'll be done with this. Yep. But the end goal is part of my response to Jesus is following him, being a part of the body telling other people that circle you described of evangelism leads to discipleship leads to evangelism. It's got to all hang together. So that's good stuff, man. I appreciate your time today. You could have been doing a lot of other stuff with your no, time. I've enjoyed it. You could have been laying by your pool. <laughs> you could have been uh, driving your fancy car around town. Yeah. And uh, anyways, you came and I appreciate your thoughts and appreciate your friendship. Thanks, folks, for listening to this episode of the Regular Pastor Podcast. Check out our website, regularpastor.com. We've got links to social media, resources for regular pastors. Uh, You can contact us. We'd love to hear your questions, suggestions, requests. Until next time, this is the Regular Pastor, out.